MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, June 26, 2020. Today, Trump claims Black Lives Matter promotes treason. Dozens of Secret Service agents and Trump staffers are in quarantine following the hate picnic in Tulsa. Trump will end federal funding for testing. New research shows COVID antibodies don't last long. A Republican sponsor of a China sanctions bill is now blocking it. Texas has paused reopening as cases and hospitalizations surge. An Arizona city councilman uses the I Can't Breathe chant to protest mask wearing. Booker takes the lead in Kentucky, and three police officers in Wilmington, North Carolina, were fired over violent racist rhetoric. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody, it's A.G. How are you doing today? Um, just a quick message here. Our patrons keep us afloat, and we have received a ton of requests from our patrons who want to sponsor other people for those who can't afford to pledge right now. We're working on a system where you can sponsor a patron for 36 bucks a year, which will give them access to the premium ad-free feed, early shows, the newsletter, admissions to the first hour of our Friday live stream meet and greets, and our closed social media groups, and, of course, access to all the other premium content. Uh, we will let you know when that is up and running on our website. It should be early next week. And thanks to all of you who are willing to help out. You all are wonderful. Um, today is our happy hour live stream meet and greet Q&A bonanza. The theme is summer solstice. So we'll see you all at four Pacific, the patrons, and we'll tweet the link out to the public at 5 uh, p.m. Pacific time. And thanks so much to Wix Nola. That is the black-owned, woman-owned, vegan-centered luxury boutique candle shop on Etsy that we mentioned yesterday in the Good News Block. Some folks called in, apparently, and placed orders and said they heard about us, or heard about them on the on the Daily Beans yesterday. And Wix Nola uh, owner, Tiffany Michelle Brown, posted about it on Instagram. I'm so happy about this. So search for Wix Nola on Etsy. If you order their No Justice, No Peace candle, it's an 11-ounce coconut soy candle in a repurposed jar, and part of the proceeds go to local New Orleans charity. Uh, they're a five-star rated vendor on Etsy, so check them out. Uh, all right, we have a, n- a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, everybody, so COVID is on the rise. We just got news that uh, at least a dozen staffers and and Secret Service agents that went to the Tulsa rally uh, last weekend uh, have are in quarantine or have tested positive. Um, cases are on the rise in 30 states. Um, nine states are holding steady and 11 states are decreasing in number. Uh, numbers of cases. And yesterday, we told you New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are requiring quarantine, 14-day quarantine for travelers coming from the hardest hit states, including like Florida, Texas, Arkansas, North Carolina, to name a few. And in Miami today, uh, they are reporting a 108% increase in COVID patients uh, in the hospitals, a group of hospitals there. And the average of coronavirus tests coming back in Miami-Dade County, uh, coming back positive, is 27%. And we're supposed to be concerned when it's over 10. Uh, the mayor of Miami wants to put a mask ordinance, like, a you know, order people to wear masks. They want to put that order in place there, the mayor, and issue fines for those not wearing masks. But Governor DeSantis, a Trump licker, I'm just going to call him Trump lickers, uh, says he will not require masks in his state despite a week of record-setting cases. California, Florida, and Texas are seeing record increases, both with over 5,000 new cases each day. Texas has taken the step of pausing their reopening, meaning the businesses that are open can remain open, but they won't be adding or, you know, moving forward with another phase of reopening at this time. And despite these rises, uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Fauci testifying about his concern over the increase in community spread. It's not an increase in testing. It's an increase in community spread. Trump is following through on his threat to slow down testing. He is ending federal funding of 13 coronavirus community-based test sites in five states on June 30th. This is according to a senior health and human services department official uh, who spoke to CBS News. Uh, and he did this after having extended the funding once because his you know, states said they were not prepared to take over the sites because the federal government wasn't helping with testing. The uh, health and human services official also stated that the administration isn't defunding or closing federal testing sites. The money was provided to states through the Paycheck Protection Program. 
to fund their testing efforts. <laughs> so instead of just giving money to states to help battle the coronavirus, even though they're leaving it totally up to the states, they made them go through the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, the Assistant Secretary for Health at Department of Health and Human Services maintains that the federal government isn't ending support for COVID testing sites and that, in fact, testing has been growing. Quote, on the contrary, we have expanded uh, from the original 41 sites to over 648 states in the District of Columbia and the, federal, and the federal bundled payment program to pharmacies. And we've enabled over 1,400 additional pharmacy sites through regulatory flexibility, empowering pharmacists and faci uh, facilitating billing and reimbursement. That's according to Admiral Giroir. Uh, in a statement that he gave. Seven of the 13 sites um, where the money has run out are in Texas, which is seeing a massive COVID outbreak right now, according to Governor Greg Abbott. In light of the surge in cases, GOP Senator John Cornyn of Texas urged the White House Wednesday to revisit its decision and extend federal funding for the community-based sites. Cornyn is asking for money. So that should tell you all you need to know. Uh, President Trump said last week he ordered his administration to slow down testing, calling testing a double-edged sword, and he doubled down on that statement on Tuesday. But Girard said Tuesday that he has not received a directive from the White House to slow testing. That was during the testimony to the um, the House committee from, uh, I think it was uh, the, Dr. Redfield and um, Dr. Fauci and Girard. And they all said that they hadn't received direction to slow down testing. Well, now they're slowing down testing. And amid all this, a new study is raising concerns for pregnant people with coronavirus from the New York Times. Note, the, the New York Times says pregnant women. I'm quoting them. I'm changing their work a little. Um, they say uh, pregnant people infected with the coronavirus are more likely to be hospitalized, admitted to an intensive care unit, and put on a ventilator than are infected uh, women who are not pregnant, according to the new, uh, new government analysis. Um, but pregnant people are known to be particularly susceptible to other respiratory infections, but the CDC uh, has maintained from the start of the pandemic that the virus doesn't seem to affect pregnant people differently than others. The increased risk for intensive care and mechanical ventilation worries experts, but the new study did not include one pivotal detail, whether pregnant people were hospitalized because of labor and delivery. That may have significantly inflated the numbers, so it is unclear whether the analysis reflects a true increase in risk of hospitalization. Admissions for childbirth represents 25% of all hospitalizations in the United States, 25%, counting mother and baby. That's according to Dr. Neil Shaw, who's an assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Harvard. Uh, even at early stages of pregnancy, doctors err on the side of being overly cautious when treating pregnant women, whether they have coronavirus or not. Uh, Dr. Shaw says, quote, there's quite clearly a different threshold for hospitalizing pregnant people and non-pregnant people. The question is whether it also reflects something about their illness, and that's something we really don't know. The results uh, are to be published on Thursday by the CDC. Government researchers presented the data to federal immunization committee on the, the Federal Immunization Committee on Wednesday. The slides were posted online Wednesday afternoon, but taken down later in the day. The analysis, um, the largest of its type so far, is based on data from people with confirmed infections of the coronavirus as reported to the CDC by 50 states in Washington from January 22nd to June 7th. The report includes information on 8,207 pregnant people between, age, between ages 15 and 44. 44, oh, go ladies. And you know, go people. Who were, who were compared to 83,205 83, women in the same age bracket who were not pregnant. More than 31% of the pregnant people were hospitalized, compared with about 6% of the people who were not pregnant. Pregnant people were uh, more likely to be admitted to the ICU, 1.5% versus 0.9%, and to require ventilation, 0.5% versus 0.3%. Uh, because of the heightened risk, scientists have been closely monitoring pregnancy outcomes in various coronavirus studies. So far, few studies have indicated a significant risk for pregnant people or for their children. Infections in newborns have been exceedingly rare, but they do happen. This is from McClatchy, D.C. today. Quote, triplets born prematurely last week in Mexico have all tested positive for the novel coronavirus, despite neither parents being infected. Um, local authorities are calling the case unheard of and a very relevant scientific feat. Uh, the babies are in stable condition, but one is receiving an antibiotic for a respiratory condition, according to the BBC. Uh, Dr. Rangel told the BBC News it would be impossible for them to have been infected at the moment of birth. Uh, what we need to do is look at the situation where perhaps the virus is being transmitted through the placenta. That is not something we can be sure of. 
Those are the theories we have to look at. It's a new virus. There's still no literature available uh, internationally on the issue, but it, it will be worth reviewing. And here's a developing story. Rick Bright, that is the ousted director of the vaccine agency, BARDA, who testified as a whistleblower, has amended his whistleblower complaint to accuse Secretary Azar of giving illegal instructions to HHS staff, directing them to refrain from doing anything that would help Dr. Bright be successful in his new role. That's according to Dr. Bright's attorneys. The Department of Health and Human Services has not responded for comment. I'm so shocked. Are you shocked? I was shocked. Uh, And from Reuters. According to a Chinese study, levels of an antibody found in recovered COVID-19 patients fell sharply in two to three months after infection for both symptomatic and asymptomatic patients, raising questions about the length of any immunity against the novel coronavirus. The research published in uh, Nature Medicine on June 18th highlights the risks of using COVID-19 immunity passports uh, and supports the prolonged use of public health interventions, such as mask wearing, social distancing, isolating high-risk groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, health authorities in some countries, such as Germany, are debating the ethics and practicalities of allowing people who test positive for antibodies to move more freely than others who don't. The research, which studied 37 symptomatic patients and 37 asymptomatic patients, found that of those who tested positive for the presence of the IgG antibody, one of the main types of the antibodies that that happens after you're infected, over 90% showed sharp sharp declines in the antibody in two to three months. And today, we're over 122,000 deaths in the United States. We have over 2.4 million infected. It seems to me that Trump supporters don't believe in coronavirus, until they or someone they know is impacted by it. Science deniers that require this kind of experiential learning to accept facts is dangerous. It's what gives us flat earthers, for example. I can't see the curvature, so it's not real. And oddly, this lines up with those who don't seem to believe police brutality is a thing, because they themselves haven't been a victim of it, nor do they know anyone that it's happened to. Math is easily dismissed when you're not a statistic. We'll be right back with news from under the radar, so stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. We all intend to be healthy, and we swear we're going to start eating nothing but kale and green smoothies, but that is not reality. And even when you are healthy, me for example, I intermittently fast, and, and I'm paleo, so there's large gaps in the nutrients in my diet. We just aren't getting what we need. Uh, that's why I want to share with you my new Ritual. It's the obsessively researched vitamin for women called Ritual. Ritual's Essentials has the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Just two easy-to-take capsules, which provide nine nutrients that you need to support a strong foundation for your health. Ritual Essential for Women is the ultimate multivitamin to help fill the gaps in your diet, from D3s to Omega-3s. And they have a no-nausea capsule design, and so it's gentle on an empty stomach, perfect for the intermittent faster. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with, uh, you know, Omega-3s. Ritual uses vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients, and it's delivered directly to you. On a, subscri- a subscription is easy to start. It's easy to snooze. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients you need delivered every month, no strings attached. Um, so, you know, better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash dailybeans to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for News Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, AG. How are you? I am doing wonderful, JC. I'm just kidding. I know you're Jordan Coburn. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're a superstar. You'd be surprised how not often that joke is made about my initials, actually. I have to give people more credit than I normally would. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's the first time I've heard that. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah. I do hear the like Michael whenever I say my first name. That's that's That happens at an astounding rate. What's your name, Jordan? Okay. Like Michael? Yes, like the seven-foot-tall basketball player black man. Just yeah. like that. That's me. If I, <laughs> if I didn't think that you would be... If, if I thought you were unable to pronounce or understand the concept of Jordan, I might have added, like Michael. Right. But you seemed... <laughs> You seemed, you seemed able to process the word Jordan, so I left that off. Right. And it's like... 
Mike Michael Jordan, <laughs> two of the oldest names in the history of human civilization. Michael Jordan. <laughs> yes, just just like that. That's a great thing to use for reference in case uh you needed to clarify something like you haven't heard it a million times. Anyway, right. Know, this is just being upset yeah. for no reason at all, really. No. <laughs> it's okay. It happens it happens a lot. Um <laughs> We we do have some uh, new stories here from another radar. I'll kick this off with a story from Politico. Uh, on June 2nd, Senator Kevin Kramer signed as a co-sponsor of a bill to punish China for undermining Hong Kong's independence. Two weeks later, he turned around and blocked it. That's at the request of the White House. <laughs> as a result, the bipartisan bill, which imposes mandatory sanctions over China's continued incursions into Hong Kong's internal affairs, is stalled on Capitol Hill, even as it has broad bipartisan support. Uh, A week after he objected to the bill's unanimous passage on the Senate floor, a last-minute plea from the Trump administration. Uh, Kramer himself acknowledged Wednesday, even for us, this is dysfunctional. Um, (laughs) Even for us. (laughs) He sounds like a Muppet, right? Like, womp, womp. Um, Kramer says of the last-minute block that the White House and the State Department proposed a series of quote-unquote technical corrections to the bill only a half an hour before Senator Chris Van Hollen was set to uh, call for unanimous consent to pass the bill called the Hong Kong Autonomy Act. Uh, Kramer defended his decision to block the legislation, saying he hopes the bill eventually passes, but that he wanted to try to accommodate the Trump administration's concerns. The thing is, Trump already has the fucking authority to impose sanctions on China in response to their recent autonomy law, which significantly encroaches on Hong Kong's independence. Mm -hmm. But we know, we know the Trump Trump dealt away opposition to, you know, to that law in a quid pro quo for election assistance. And Kramer, who sponsored the fucking bill, is just the latest sycophant to aid and abet the president in his international backdoor deals to win this election in November. So so much so that Trump got him to block his own fucking bill in favor of Trump keeping his promise to China. So this treatment also explains why Trump heaped praise on China for their response to the COVID outbreak early on and why Trump was willing to turn a blind eye to Uyghur concentration camps as long as Xi Jinping helped him win in November by buying a bunch of soybeans from American farmers to make them happy, despite the fake trade war he's using to cover it all up. So Dem lawmakers think they can work with these changes to the bill that the guy who wrote it is now making. Um but, you know, we'll keep you posted on how watered down it becomes before it passes. So that's going on uh, in our own extremely. This is this is dysfunctional, even for us, Senate. That should be their slogan. So, Jordan. Yeah. What do you have? What's your story? Um, my story is coming out of President Trump's thumbs. It's, uh, he hit he hit Twitter <laughs> up today with some super, super, uh, you know, just racist shit. He called out Black Lives Matter leaders, uh, leaders specifically. It was in reference, most likely, definitely, to an interview that a leader was doing on Fox News. But he called them a, uh, he said that they were treasonous. His tweet said, Black Lives Matter leader states, If U.S. doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. This is treason, sedition, insurrection! Exclamation point. Um, didn't Trump burn down the system and replace it? I mean, isn't that what he's doing with just, let's just say one thing, the the ACA, yes. the Affordable Care Act? It's only okay if he does it. He's the only one that gets to mm. hold the matches. That's right. There's a there's a, a Office of Legal Counsel memo written by Barr that says the president can't commit treason. I'm kidding, but there probably right. is, but I'm kidding. Effectively, Maybe. that Barr is a walking absolvement of everything trump does forever as long as he's there so basically um that wasn't the only tweet he said though he also followed it up seconds later saying uh told that at nyc mayor bill de blasio wants to paint the fabled and beautiful fifth avenue right in front of trump tower slash tiffany with a big yellow black lives matter sign in quote Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, end quote, referring to killing police is their chant. NYC police are <sighs> furious, end quote. Yeah, of course they are. I'm sure, yeah, every single police officer in New York called them up and they were mad. Do you remember when they wanted to change that little block in front of Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue to uh, Barack Obama Boulevard, but you couldn't do it because the president has to be dead for 10 years to name a street <laughs> after him? Well, why don't we just, why don't, 
We can call it Black Lives Matter way. Yeah. I also uh, hate that he used the word fabled to describe Fifth Avenue. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's not real, Jordan. You didn't know that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Mythical, imaginary, all of, all of these things. That just none, none of them match uh, that description. There's nothing majestic about that place. I mean, he tried to slap gold all over it, but that doesn't fool anyone. It's all fool's gold. I hate him. You know, that unicorn Fifth Avenue, We it's it, we've heard tale, but... Fabled and beautiful <laughs> Fifth Avenue. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I feel like an insane person even reacting to these things anymore because, you know, they say the definition of being crazy is going back to the same thing over and over again, expecting a different results. And I feel that way whenever I read his tweets. It's like, obviously, yes, the stuff that he's saying is, is really fucked up and it's uh, oftentimes dog whistling and it's inciting violence. That sucks. Absolutely. And that's absolutely happening. Simultaneously... It's also him just saying whatever his base that voted for him the first time wants to hear to vote for him again. He gets, I mm. guess it's just him killing two birds with one stone, really. Um, but it's just so predictably infuriating what he's coming out with. Well, check this out. I didn't, I didn't know this. Fabled means mythical or imaginary, but it can also mean well-known for being of great quality or, or rarity or famous. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. In fact, before I went on that rant, I pulled up the definition of it and apparently did not expand it. <laughs> or else I wouldn't have uh, died on that hill just now. Scroll down. Died on that fabled hill. Here I lie. <laughs> it was a fabled death uh, on the hill. Yes. The, the hill's real, isn't it? No, is it a figurative hill? I don't know. Is it Fifth Avenue? Is there a hill on Fifth Avenue? I'm pretty sure it's flat. Can you really... I don't know. I feel like the word fabled should be reserved for things that were made famous by their own virtue, not because someone forcibly decided they were going to paint shiny things all over it and say that it's a famous place. It's not fuck. It's only famous because the person that is associated with it is such a piece of shit that it is a global tourist destination where people take selfies in front of it, flipping it off and shitting, literally shitting on the sidewalk in front of it. So, yes, if it, that means it's fabled, it's very fabled. Well, Fifth Avenue itself is pretty famous, right? Before Trump was ever there. Yes. He but thinks he, was, he made it famous. Right. Well, in that tweet to me, yeah. that reads like he's explicitly referring to the area in front of Trump Tower. But, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's fabled because people wanted to call it Barack Obama Boulevard. Um, well, all right. Well, here's a report from the Associated Press. Three members of a North Carolina police department have been fired after a department audit of a video recording captured one of the officers saying a civil war was necessary to quote wipe black people off the map and that he was ready unquote. The Wilmington Police Department took the action on Tuesday night against Corporal Jesse Moore and officers Kevin Piner and Brian Gilmore. Each were accused of violating the standard of conduct, criticisms, and use of inappropriate jokes and slurs. After conferring with City Council, Wilmington City Mayor Sterling Cheatham, I, I believe is how you say that, cleared Police Chief Donnie Williams to release the details. According to the documents released by the police department, a sergeant was conducting a video audit as part of a monthly inspection and was reviewing footage from Piner's car that had been classified as accidental activation. After the sergeant listened to the conversation and determined comments made by Piner and Moore were extremely racist, she, quote, she contacted the department administrator for the camera system. At the 46-minute mark of the video, Piner and Gilmore began talking from their respective cars, at which time Piner criticized the department, saying its only concern was, quote, kneeling down with the black folks. Uh, about 30 minutes later, Piner received a phone call from Moore, according to the investigation, a segment in which Moore referred to a black female as a Negro. He also referred to the woman by using a racial slur. He repeated the use of the slur in describing a black magistrate, and Moore used a gay slur to describe the magistrate as well. And later, according to the investigation, Piner told Moore he feels civil war is coming and that he's ready. Piner said he was going to buy a new assault rifle and soon we're just going to go out and start slaughtering them expletive blacks. Oh, my God. And they're trying to say it was a joke? I, I don't know if they said it was a joke or not yet. We haven't really gotten to their explanation. Um, I bet that's what they're going to say. And then the guy responded, I can't wait. God, I can't wait. Um Piner then told Moore that he felt a civil war was needed to wipe them off the 
fucking map. Um, That'll put them back about four or five generations, he said. Moore told Piner he was crazy, and the recording stopped a short time later. According to the police, the officers admitted it was their voices on the video and didn't deny any of the content. While the officers denied that they were racists, they blamed their comments on the stress on law enforcement in light of the protests over the death of George Floyd. That's their excuse. Boo. Weak. Not acceptable. Does not count as an explanation. Why is it that I can't talk to my best friend, you know, in confidence without my phone picking up my words and trying to sell me an ad for an asshole trimmer, but then with them, (laughs) they get to go on with their lives entirely unsurveilled, saying whatever toxic, disgusting, violent, inciting shit they want to say, and and it goes completely unpicked up. That should they should constantly be being monitored. If U.S. civilians are, then the cops should too. I'm glad they're doing these audits. That's how they picked them up. They just randomly right. listen uh, to a lot of this stuff. It needs to be done more often. Well, yes. we need to first of all not have this kind of beat cops, but second of all, yes, we need to audit everything. Yeah, make sure the cameras are on when they're supposed to be on. So yeah, but the, some of the stuff they were saying, and then oh nope, yeah we said that, but we're not racist. We're just under a lot of pressure. You know, I get I sometimes I'm under a lot of pressure, um, and you know I might say fuck, I'm under a lot of pressure, but um, this is wow, I I I can't even right, or maybe you know we slip up and we say something mean or something that we don't say, but to say that. That is not coming from a moment of, you know, feeling irate for a second. That's not coming from that. Mm. That's coming from a bedrock of nasty, hateful, internalized thoughts that are foundational to your character. Yep. Agreed. 100%. But we have remedies. Um, We have a lot of remedies. And voting is one of them. And I'm really excited to do that in November. And Kentucky just voted. Uh, They had some problems, not as bad as I thought, although the doors were closed on them uh, and they were banging on the doors to be let in. And eventually a judge ruled that they could be let in to vote. Um, That that was weird to just see people locked out of voting, uh, banging on doors to vote. But um, speaking of Kentucky, Jordan, how's it looking in that primary right now? It is looking good. So we were talking yesterday about Charles Booker maybe having a super, super tiny lead over Amy McGrath, but with a bunch of votes that hadn't been counted yet. And today he officially pulled ahead of Amy McGrath in that Senate primary. And it's still too close to call. But right now, the only votes that have come through officially are all of the in-person votes. There's still all of those mail-in ballots and absentee ballots to be counted. But... Uh, Booker has received 43.5% of the vote compared to McGrath's 40% with 2,926 of 3,685 precincts reporting. That's at the time of that reporting. Uh, so so this is, this is uh, he's celebrating on Twitter already, kind of. Uh, he said that something big, in quotes, something big was happening in the state. And I think everybody's expecting for the, the election to go in his favor. I know you were bringing up yesterday, AG, that... Maybe because of the sort of scandalous details about McGrath's past comments coming out after some people had already voted. If there's enough people that were for her before that point in time, then maybe she's going to be able to pull out a win in the end. But I don't think so. I think Booker's going to have it. Well, yeah, when I said that at that time, he wasn't ahead by three and a half points. I don't know that she can make up three and a half points with absentee voting. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I do not think so either. She was actually, she actually, she actually had a slight lead over him um, when, you know, when I was thinking with mail-in ballots still to go. Uh, but these are when all the rest of the current, you know, the people who voted same day came in, put him up 3.5 points. That's big. Yeah, it's huge. That's really big. And I that's that's a hard margin to overcome with absentee ballots. But we'll see how many, we'll see how many. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you posted on this, on these results. Mm-hmm, definitely. We'll know officially uh, not until June 30th. So that's a, that's a little bit away. But in other election news, we have some new polling coming out for Biden prospects coming out of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, and North Carolina. Biden is leading in all of those states. In Wisconsin, Biden is 49 to 38. 
Michigan, Biden's 47 to 36. Pennsylvania, we got Biden at 50 to 40. Florida, Biden's at 47 to 41. Arizona, Biden is at 48 to 41. And North Carolina, wow. Biden has, is at 49 to 40. So that's good news. Fuck a poll, though. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yep. Now that we know the polling, ignore it, act like we're 20 points down, <laughs> yeah. and make make it shit happen. Yes. <laughs> Fuck polls. Precisely. Fuck polls. Uh, Fuck polls, get elected. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really different concept than the original. Um <laughs> All right. Uh, That's news from Under the Radar. We'll be right back to discuss justice security with Glenn Kirshner after this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. This Helping to Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry.com. It's been more than 75 years since many courageous soldiers, maybe even someone related to you, left home to fight for the highest possible purpose. You can explore Ancestry's new collection of untold stories from World War II and then find and honor the veterans in your family who served. You may be familiar with the major events and battles of World War II, but there are so many more stories to uncover. So discover the diverse perspectives of those who were there and learn about the untold stories of the men and women who faced World War II with dignity and courage. The skill and bravery of the Tuskegee Airmen, for example, that's an all-African-American squad of fighter pilots, or the incredible women who trained to become pilots and mechanics, or the Japanese-American battalion that became one of America's most decorated units despite discrimination against Japanese-Americans at the time. And in honor of the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, Ancestry has just released a U.S. draft card collection from World War II with over 36 million draft cards completed by fighting-aged men in the United States across the country uh, during that time, whether they ended up serving or not. That's a great chance that you could find one of your relatives in this collection. It can help you learn more about what their lives were like. Uncover your ancestors' personal details in the World War II U.S. draft card collection. And it has details like home addresses, physical description, and more. So find and honor the veterans in your family who rose to the occasion when the world needed them the most. And get a new take on the World War II experience. Discover your untold stories and more. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans to start discovering your story today. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, There is so much going on right now with, you know, from Department of Justice officials stepping down, the Flynn case in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, whistleblowers testifying in Congress about corruption at Maine Justice, and joining us today for a big picture analysis of how things are and where we're going to go in the future is former 30-year federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I couldn't think of a more astute person uh to speak uh on these on this sort of big picture stuff and and um i'm really glad you're talking uh with me today so let's start with the present we're going to talk present and then we're going to talk future let's start about the present uh the reservoir of trust in the justice department uh is empty <laughs> and uh as former as former agi or testified yesterday without trust in the law we have lawlessness can you tell us why what is happening inside the Department of Justice and with Bill Barr is so dangerous. You know, it, it's dangerous because if we can't count on the Department of Justice to represent the interests of the people when it comes to all legal matters, large and small, that that can be criminal prosecutions when our citizens are victims. It can be antitrust cases where we're trying to hold corrupt businesses accountable for preying upon our consumers, our citizens, you know, if we can't rely on them to do their job in good faith and actually act on behalf of the American people, if rather they are going to be acting on behalf of Bill Barr and Donald Trump's criminal associates, lackeys, acolytes, friends, family members, then we are no longer much of a republic. We have turned into you know, a banana republic, which is an overused term. But, you know, when you have government officials who are in place and they're only interested in lining their own pockets, that's a recipe for the end of a democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're on, I think of the 10 steps, we're on step eight. Uh, and it's just, it keeps unwinding. And, uh, uh, it, it's very concerning. And I I also wanted to speak about the health of the judiciary. With the recent Flynn decision in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, how can a reasonable court have possibly granted such a frivolous writ of mandamus, at least in part, in the Flynn case? And what does this say about 
the the status of our judiciary, the, you know, the state of our judiciary. It says that Mitch McConnell broke the judiciary, and we need to try to do what we can to fix it. Um, Mitch McConnell has been cramming unqualified judges down the throats of the American people ever since uh, Donald Trump took office. And, you know, we saw it, I think, in, you know, living color with this opinion that was handed down yesterday in the Mike Flynn case by Judge Rao. Judge Rao is not only a Trump appointee, she's a pretty transparent climber hoping for a spot on the Supreme Court in the event one comes open while Donald Trump is still president. And, you know, she authored an opinion, and I was disappointed that Judge Henderson joined it. But um, and, and let me just say as a footnote, this, this really bothers me that I'm even talking about who appointed what judge, because I actually tried to count up the number of judges I appeared before in my 30 years as a prosecutor, both in the military and in the civilian sector. And it was about 200. And I never once walked into a courtroom and said to myself or asked anybody else who appointed this judge. It was just not something that was on my radar screen. We typically don't think of that. And, and yet now we can think of nothing else because Judge Rao handed down an opinion where She's, she basically was trying to order Judge Sullivan to dismiss Mike Flynn's case because she said, I think that the evidence fulfills a three-part test. And I was an appellate lawyer for a number of years, both in the military and in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. And I don't want to geek out on the appellate stuff, but I, I do kind of get excited at a really well-reasoned legal opinion. Um, <laughs> but there, there's basically, it's a three-part test. I know I'm, I'm like uh, letting my my geek flag show. No, please do. Because, because I, you know, we spoke to Matt Miller about this yesterday too. And he was like, there there was, you know, she, she pulled out these three things and then she made a conclusion and there was nothing, con there was no connective tissue uh, from one thing to the other, right? I mean, is that kind of where you're going? Exactly. Keep in mind, you have to, the court has to find all three of these things in order for them to grant relief, courtesy of this petition for mandamus, fancy legal word. Um, they have to find, one, that the judge violated a clearly established legal duty. Two, they have to find that there's no other adequate remedy for this horrific decision by the judge. And three, they have to find that the aggrieved party has suffered irreparable harm. Let's tick through those. Yeah. Clear legal duty that Judge Sullivan uh, violated. No, he complied with a clear legal duty because the rule that governs, Rule 48A, says the judge gets to weigh in on exactly this kind of a motion to dismiss. So he wasn't only not violating a clear legal duty, he was complying with a clear legal duty. That's, that's element one that gets knocked out of the box. Element two, no other adequate remedy. Can I tell you how dang frivolous this is? Because the judge hasn't even ruled on the motion. Glenn, yet. Glenn, Glenn, he's gonna have he's gonna have a hearing. He's got amicus briefs. He's got a friend of the Amiki. Uh, he hasn't made a ruling. Just like you said, how how can you determine there is no other adequate remedy? when there is one on the court calendar. There's a perfect remedy because he can only make one of two rulings. Either I grant the motion to dismiss, case dismissed, in which case nobody's been harmed because he's done what he thought was right, or I deny the motion to dismiss, and then there's an appeal, which is a perfect legal remedy. So element two is knocked out of the box. Element three kills me because this is where Judge Rao really let her bias show through. There has to be basically, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit of liberties, irreparable harm to the aggrieved party. The aggrieved party is General Flynn. And you know what she said? She said, well, I think there's some irreparable harm here because this kind of infringes on the prosecutor's uh, ability to, to engage in unfettered prosecutorial discretion. It's like, uh, excuse me, Judge Rao, that is not irreparable harm to Mike Flynn. 
It has nothing to do with harm to Mike Flynn. So basically, you just made that one up. I mean, I guess if you say, I guess if you say if someone breaks the law and you punish them, then that does irreparable harm to them. I mean, look what. That's ha- things. Boy, I hate when that happens when mm. we punish criminals. Yeah, when you put somebody in jail and they can't work anymore, they're not. They don't get to be a general anymore. That yeah, I guess that does some irreparable harm. But I think that's kind of the point. Or they can't make illegal cheese from the government of Turkey. Um, so, you know, and, and, and cheese in Turkey happens to be my favorite sandwich. There you go. I'll be here all week. So anyway, uh, but, um, they can't. They can't yeah. <laughs> all right. So they can't they can't make out one of the three elements. And in order to grant relief on this petition, they needed to make out all three. But here's the beautiful thing. When you read Judge Wilkins' dissent in this case, my God, does he take apart Judge Rao's opinion? Not only that. The damn thing sings. So the first sentence is, quote, it is a great irony that in finding the district court to have exceeded its jurisdiction, this court so grievously oversteps its own. It's like, oh, that sings. I love it. And he's dead on. And I can read other passages that I really enjoy. But the point is, his opinion is so well-reasoned as compared to Judge Rao's majority opinion, which is laughable and so poorly reasoned, that I predict that when this goes to the en banc review, the full court review, which it will, Judge Wilkins' dissent is going to become the majority opinion. And I do believe we have uh, news on that, right? Uh, Sullivan is preparing uh, to file to have a, an en banc hearing, right? That wouldn't be Susponte because it's not one of the other D.C. Circuit Court judges, but it's Judge Sullivan himself, so it's a motion for en banc? Yes, that's what I've heard. I don't know if he's technically filed it. I saw the reporting that he would be filing it. And you know what? If he didn't file it, any one judge could ask for the uh, petition for the reconsideration en banc himself or herself. And Wilkins filed the dissent, so he would likely ask for it if Judge Sullivan didn't. So it's going to be reviewed by the full court. It's going to be reversed. And, I mean, that kind of takes us to the second question, which is what can we do about the unqualified judges? Because Mitch McConnell has been trashing the federal judiciary with unqualified judges. And I do think, you know, we don't just hang our heads in despair and kick at the dirt and say, ah, shucks, there's nothing we can do. We actually can wrestle this monster to the ground, albeit – Probably not until January. Now, if if that going back to the on uh, banc, if that is overturned, is that the end of the road, or can Flynn appeal that decision to SCOTUS? Yep, he can appeal that decision to SCOTUS. He can and will, and I think that puts us well beyond the November election. So, mm-hmm. at which point the Flynn case will take on a whole different complexion. Because, can I just tell you, at the end of the day, I almost hope this case gets dismissed, so that way in January Flynn can be charged with everything he did, mm-hmm. rather than the government being bound by the one charge to which he pled guilty and the zero to six month month sentencing request. Look, Flynn admitted in his paperwork he filed false documents with Mm -hmm. the Department of Justice to illegally lobby on behalf of the Republic of Turkey. You can prove that case in your sleep as a prosecutor. So you know what? Go ahead and dismiss this case, and then we'll bring all felony charges against you in January. Yeah, so that's kind of the dream scenario, right? We get this way past the election. We elect Joe Biden. Uh, we get, you know, we're, we're past the election now. The Supreme Court says, nope, sorry, uh, the D.C. Circuit Court uh, is correct. And, and then Judge Sullivan dismisses with without prejudice. Or the SCOTUS says, Judge Sullivan, you, you're going to have to dismiss the case. He dismisses without prejudice. We have a new attorney general. We're still within the five-year statute of limitation, only by, only by a couple of months. <laughs> but then he can be charged with everything. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, I think that is the dream scenario. Now, about the health of the judiciary as a whole, we can't mm-hmm. get, if if Trump loses, we can't just purge all of his appointed judges. That is not something that can happen. I know that a lot of people that's like a that's like some justice porn for people. Like they think that maybe we can, you know, just get rid of all of the unqualified judges, but it doesn't quite work that way. Um, and some some folks are talking about. You know, maybe if we can't get rid of the judges, we do what we can to impeach them. If we can't impeach them, we can add justices 
to the courts, right? We need a we need some sort of a judiciary act of Congress uh, to. Of course, we would probably need sixty votes in the Senate to make that happen, which we, I don't think we mathematically can achieve. Um, but the idea would be to add justices to uh, the circuit courts, the appellate courts, and then of course the Supreme Court. I'd like to see fifteen judges on the Supreme Court. And appoint them all, but then what stops you know any any party from doing that uh, the next time they're in charge? So how how else can we heal this judiciary? Yeah, so I think there's kind of a three part plan, and I think we need to move forward on all three fronts come January, assuming the the Senate uh, goes Democratic, and I think it it will, it should. So and Biden, of course, gets elected. So one, we can. Ask the FBI to do what the FBI is supposed to do, which is investigate the um, confirmation testimony of every Mitch McConnell judge, particularly the unqualified ones, because you don't get rated unqualified for nothing. I mean, these people, some of them are real bozos. So, I mean, we saw, you know, we saw how Kavanaugh testified, and I don't think it would take much of an FBI investigation to find any number of answers that were lies, that he committed perjury, false statements before the Senate. So what you do then is you review all, you have the FBI review all of those transcripts and, and do an investigation. You do it honestly, you do it fairly, you do it apolitically. And then if these judges um, committed perjury, then you charge them and you impeach them and you get rid of them. That is what should be done with these unqualified Mitch McConnell judges. Then on the second prong is there are, you know, any number of judicial misconduct committees. And again, these unqualified judges are unqualified for a reason. They're going to engage in judicial misconduct on the bench, off the bench, in chambers, at the local Starbucks and everywhere else. <laughs> and what I would like to see what I would like to see is a core of, of, you know, citizen detectives, and we need to keep an eye on every damn one of these unqualified judges who are soiling our federal benches around the country, presiding over cases that are really important to us because they will engage in misconduct, and then we can use the mechanisms of these judicial review committees to try to dislodge them. So some of them will self-select out that way. And then the third way is exactly what you said. We need to add judges. Over the history of this country, the Supreme Court has had as few as five justices and as many as 10 justices. I would like, a la Spinal Tap, to dial it up to 11 <laughs> as quickly as we can. And let's, and let's... Did you pick that just because of Spinal Tap? Is that what... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So, um, and, and as you say, let's add at least to to every federal circuit court judge in the country, not for ideological reasons, but to help neutralize the unqualified judges that Mitch McConnell has crammed down our throats. Yeah, and also to make up for the population growth and the fact that the, the judiciary doesn't look like the United States of America, and it should. So, you know, I think there's like, you're, you're killing like seven birds with one stone with that move, right? Uh, of course, it will be seen as political, but judges aren't political. They weren't until Trump got here. And like you said, now everybody's asking who appointed that judge, who appointed that judge. It's and, yeah, and can I tell you, you know how many you know how many Obama nominees got rated? So here was this was the Obama administration's practice when they were contemplating nominating somebody. They first asked the ABA for a rating. And if the ABA rated that person not qualified and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, I think there was something. 19 comes to mind. I, I researched this a few months ago, so I don't remember the precise number, but the ABA told the Obama administration, these people you're thinking of nominating are unqualified. Do you know how many of those unqualified judges President Obama nominated? Zero. zero. Not a zero. Not a single one. Why? Because he took the quality of the federal judiciary seriously. It wasn't about ideology. Yes, he probably wanted somebody who was, you know, judges who were a little bit more in line with his political philosophy, and a president gets to do that. But when the ABA said, this person that you're thinking might be good is unqualified, Obama said, well, then I'm not nominating him because, you know what, the, the quality of the federal bench matters.
Yeah, and he's going to take the advice of experts, something else that has gone by the wayside since Trump came into office. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, my my confidence outweighs your expertise. It's it's gross. Uh, but anyway, thank you for that. Thanks for sharing that plan. And can you tell people where they can find uh, the detailed uh, information about that on you know and where they can follow you? I would love for people to go on to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's free and it always will be. Um, and it's just my name, Glenn Kirshner. Um, and I post a video a day. It's a lot of work. We do all the production here ourselves. Um, and it's basically a Trump crime a day or a bar crime a day. It's a lot of work to cover all the, the criminality and the corruption of, of Trump and Barr and company. So if you go to YouTube, just you know, search my name and please subscribe to my channel. Uh, you'll get their daily alerts when I post. And also on Twitter, I'm Glenn Kirshner, too. So we'd love to have people come by and visit. All right. Thank you very much. Former federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. It's been great talking to you. You too. Thanks. All right, everybody, we'll be right back on the other side of this break with Jordan Coburn and the Good News Block, so stay with us. Hey, friends, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Allform. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me rave about my Helix mattress and Helix sleep products. Uh, Jordan loves hers. Mandy and Joelle love theirs. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Best mattress I've ever owned. Well, Helix has launched a new company called Allform. It's gone beyond the bedroom to revolutionize furniture for the rest of your house. Allform makes beautiful, comfortable sofas, chairs, customizable, delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping. Uh, Allform makes it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, the color, the color of the legs, the sofa size, and the shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. And it's great for pod pets because all their stuff is spill, stain, and scratch proof. Uh, I picked out an all-form three-seater sofa. I made it out of whiskey-colored leather. I put a walnut-leg finish on it, and I got a chaise lounge. It looks great, mid-century modern. I love it. Uh, all-form ha- also has armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on as you grow, like maybe you move to a bigger house or your family grows. You can just add on to it. Uh, usually, if you want to order a sofa customized, it takes weeks or months, uh, and you need someone to come and put it together for you. You have to call the freight company and set up a nine-hour delivery window. But all form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. Uh, and the best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, which you will, but they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. No weird fees, no hidden fees. And they also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders to our listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on good news is on the way. Joining me today for the good news is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you since 10 minutes ago? Hello, I'm great. <laughs> I sometimes expect you to be like, oh my gosh, so much has happened. You won't even believe it. Yeah, the, the craziest. I'm on airplane mode. I couldn't even get any life-changing news if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, oh, thank gosh for airplane mode. Yeah, I, I do that. Do not disturb pretty much all day, every day. Um makes my mom angry because my mom doesn't text she's got a flip phone and she even if she had a smartphone she wouldn't she just doesn't text like I'll text her and she'll call me right back and go don't do that so she's the one person one and only human that I speak to on the phone uh and uh she gets mad when I'm on do not disturb all the time (laughs) and my voicemail is always full she's like ag she doesn't call me ag Clear out your voicemail box so I can leave you a message. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to your message anyway. I'm just going to see that you called and called back. The fact that you called called is your message. You don't need to leave a voicemail. Don't use your minutes. I always always do that, too. I always call my family, and I'm like, hey, it's Jordan. You know, the thing that grew inside of you and you pushed out in agonizing pain. I'm back. I always introduce myself by name for some reason. (laughs) You give yourself some credits. You might have seen her on... (laughs) You know her from the podcast <laughs> Daily Beans. It's your daughter, Jordan Coburn. That'd be fun. Um, so good news. Uh, I'd like to kick this good news block off with little Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right, so check this out, Jordan. A New York surrogate's court judge rejected on jurisdictional grounds an effort by Donald Trump's brother to halt the publication of a book by the president's niece, Mary Trump. The book 
too much and never enough how my family created the world's most dangerous man <laughs> is scheduled <laughs> it's it needs to be read like too much and never enough how my family created the world's most dangerous man yeah. it has to be read that way <laughs> uh that is scheduled to be published july 28th i think that's when Barr testifies uh the president has said that his niece is subject to a non-disclosure agreement and is not allowed to write the book uh, Robert Trump's lawyer, Charles Harder, <laughs> said he would file a new suit in New York Supreme Court to try to block the book. So this judge is saying uh, it's, it's got not got anything to do with any nondisclosure agreements or the merits. This is not the jurisdiction. Take it to New York. So he'll file it in New York. We'll keep you posted on those results. Uh, wow. Yeah, that poor man must have been made fun of so much in elementary school when they call you by your last name first. Harder, Charles. Harder. <laughs> <laughs> Not the hardest, Charles. Yeah. Also, if your family's at the point where you have NDA agreements on each other, uh, with each other, I don't know if that's even a family anymore at that point. That's that's a bit that's a bit distant. <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything more. Um, mm. All right, mm. or less, I guess you could say. More awful, less not awful. Um, <laughs> I. All right. I have so many pieces Go ahead, of, uh, of good news, but yeah, we, we, we share the good news block now. Hell yeah. My first piece yeah. is from Gail Nicholson. We tag team. One of the Gales. Uh, Gail says, greetings to all the wonderful Daily Beads listeners. I'm hoping this qualifies as good news. It's definitely exciting for me as it will serve to shake things up for at least the next months. I'm officially running for our local school board. Oh, that's so cool. This is something I've considered for several years, but now seems to be the right time. Three positions are open, all currently held by women, but only one of these women is running again. Nothing against men, but if we don't get some representation at this election, we will have an all-male school board. There are also a few specific males who are running that I'd like to keep off the board. I have a strong background <laughs> in education, having taught various subjects, mostly science, but also music, from kindergarten through community college, as well as being a constant volunteer in the schools. I was even a substitute teacher years ago for the very district I hope to serve. Now I am an active member of the local business community and even serve on the city's library board. This allows me to bring a wide set of skills and experiences to the position. The woman who is currently on the board and running for re-election is a friend of mine and a force to be reckoned with. She is helping me and we plan to do some campaigning together. She's also helping me with some important endorsements that will go a long way. I'm very encouraged at the initial reactions I'm getting locally, though obviously the campaign is just starting. My husband is going to be my campaign manager and he's also a force of nature. The election is part of the November 3rd general. Yes, I will be printed on a ballot together with Joe Biden. Never expected to see anything like that. It will be an exciting few months. Wish me luck. Yes! Hell yes! Go Gail! Gail, that is so awesome. Science and music. See, I think science is music. If you've ever, if you have time, if you've got a lot of time, there's a book called Gödel Escher Bach, which is, you know, Gödel was a mathematician. Escher was the painter and the, the artist, and Bach is the musician. And it's absolutely fantastic. And so, first of all, thank you for doing all that work in education. And you get your name on a ballot next to Joe Biden. That is like for lifetimes and lifetimes that's like a, the coolest legacy ever so best of luck yeah i wish you could ask for an extra one to take home <laughs> and frame it but you can't do that <laughs> okay this is from this is some good news from molly uh pronouns she her on wednesday show someone made a raccoon impression that made me laugh so hard i shot yogurt out of my nose please for the love of god make the raccoon a recurring character Perhaps as a description of Jim Jordan's performances during televised hearings. Thanks so much for making me laugh. Love you, folks. Did I do a raccoon impression? I think you said something yeah. about a raccoon. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Because I remember uh, we were trying to we were talking shit on him in large amounts, and it was animal based for a second. I, I forget. <laughs> yeah, hissing and <laughs> yeah, and then that turned into. Beavis. Yeah, I remember now. It was like yes. a, a Beavis raccoon. It's probably all of that, that whole fusion. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to yeah. Good to yeah, know. Yeah, whenever we whenever we talk about Jim whenever we talk about Gymnasium Jordan, we'll uh we'll make sure to <laughs> make bring bring the raccoon. Yeah, back. I just imagine a raccoon with super tiny arms just swinging, unable to land any punches. <laughs> Right, like a T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I hate him. <laughs> All right. Next up from Dennis in New Jersey. Pronouns he, him. As a male closer to 70 than I'd like to be, while my beard is snow white, the hair on my head is solid brown, well, with a few streaks of silver. A couple of weeks ago, while I was out doing shopping, and while dutifully wearing my mask, I got into a checkout line in the store that had the sign, this lane for those over 60. Great, I think, looking at the long lines at the other register. But when it came to my turn, the cashier told me, I'm sorry, sir, this lane is for people 60 and older. I pulled my mask out, I was over yes. six feet away, to show my beard, and she waved me through. I count that as a win. <laughs> That's so funny. You got carded, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when I go to the wine store, which is what I call it, and uh, you know, and they ask me for ID, usually because they have to swipe it through to make the machine work. But I take it as a win every time. Yeah. But that's so awesome. Yeah, it is very funny. I know. I love Good that. Good job, a, Dennis. That's enough of a marking. It's just a way Good job. By. That's great. I'm gonna start dyeing all my shit gray. See where I can go. Just joking. Uh oh, it's a complete joke. I will not do that. <laughs> I, I'm not saying uh-oh for that. I'm saying uh-oh oh. because I'm going to read this next one, and then the next one is for you, Ooh. and it's got, it's got, uh, I think, some pronunciation challenges in oh, it just for you perfect. to read. Perfect. I didn't read it beforehand, so fantastic. <laughs> cool. You're going in cold. I love it. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that one from Cynthia, let's talk about Mo in Miami, uh, pronouns she, her. Uh, she says the states are going after the hashtag carbon criminals. Minnesota joined other states in suing oil companies for climate change effects. Time's up. That's awesome. And in the link she gave me, gave us to Courthouse News, uh, which, by the way, if you don't follow Courthouse News, you need to. Minnesota sues oil giants over climate change effects. St. Paul, Minnesota has joined a... Uh, Minnesota has joined a growing group of states suing oil industry titans for deceiving the public about their contributions to climate change in sweeping fraud cases. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who is also the one that's uh, on the George Floyd case, announced Wednesday he filed a complaint in a state court accusing ExxonMobil, Coke Industries, Flint Hills Resources, and the American Petroleum Institute of uh, they're uh, charging them of consumer fraud or accusing them of consumer fraud, failure to warn, deceptive trade practices, fraud, and false advertising. The companies had deliberately concealed the fact that a growing fossil fuel use was contributing to climate change despite knowing about it, at least as early as the 1980s, according to a 2017 study. This is excellent. We will keep our eyes on this story as it unfolds. So thanks for sending that in, Mo. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Jordan, are you ready for, are you ready for your worst nightmare? I am. Guess what? It's actually not <laughs> bad at all. They're not trying to trap me in a mouth hole. They're just... Uh... <laughs> giving news that they think would appeal to me um this is just for jordan ah uh, okay yes i see because it's about butts <laughs> yeah a man there is one word that i'm for sure gonna fuck up but here we go a man in vienna has been fined 500 euros for breaking wind loudly in front of police <laughs> in a move the austrian capital's police force was at pains to defend the Austrian newspaper reported that the penalty stemmed from an incident an incident on the 5th of june and that the offender was fined for offending public decency <laughs> city police wrote on twitter that of course no one is reported for accidentally letting one go they added that the man had behaved provocatively and uncooperatively during an encounter with officers that preceded the incident he got up from a park bench, looked at officers, and, quote, let go a massive intestinal wind, apparently with full intent, they said. <laughs> <laughs> Police noted that the decision could be appealed against. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I hope so premeditated I hope, farting I, yeah I premeditated farting I hope they go to court and their last words are just I rest my case and then just <laughs> everyone you know what this everyone is. should be able to fart <laughs> we do not fart because it's easy we fart because it's hard <laughs> you didn't push it out you, know you didn't want it <laughs> You know what this reminds me of? You know what this reminds me of? I fart in your gender direction. Yes, I know that reference. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. So like first degree farting. <laughs> Premeditated. Hey, their their country must be in a pretty dope spot if they have the time to ticket and prosecute people for, for farting. How do you prove intent? 
you know like we have a hard time proving intent yeah they're gonna be like <laughs> in like <laughs> depraved butt he had a yeah. he had a depraved state of butt when he farted at yeah the man. they're gonna be like piecing together security cam footage from like local starbucks and mcdonald's around and be like see in this video five seconds before you see his struggled disgruntled <laughs> look on his face and here, right here. Fast forward five seconds later. This man yeah, see? covers his mouth yeah. and walks away. <laughs> I wonder if they have like a unit that patrols for intentional farts. Like, and it's called, they could call it Operational Stellar Wind. Yeah. Uh, which oh, is, yeah. which was the. <laughs> God. That would be perfect. There, uh, it is also very disturbing oh. that that is something they could actually make someone uh, pay for. It sounds like a. <laughs> Sounds like a great movie too, right? Like uh, Mel Gibson is fart cop, (laughs) and he's like just out, like got a gas mask on, and he's like, I'm sure there's a city in the U.S. that has that same rule. There's always so many random fucking rules that towns will have. (laughs) Yeah, like you know those weird ones, like if you cut caught. Uh, I don't know, masturbating on a sidewalk, it's extra fines for you because you're on the sidewalk or whatever. Versus if you were in the middle of the road? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mel uh, Gibson, funny. fart cop. Amazing. I think it's a thing. That's all our good news for today. Yes, thank you for sending it in. That's incredible. I could do fart legal fart jokes for like the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh reminds God. me of that story that uh, comedian Ryan Shores, he's a local comic, uh, he tells about how he was, uh, he got a ticket for public urination. And, you know, you go into court, you wait in line, you're there with a whole bunch of people and they call you up one at a time to the to the docket <laughs> and they go over your case. And, and the, the problem is, though, is that the ordinance where he was peeing in public it, it is actually you get a ticket for uh, this specific breaking this specific law. And so the judge calls out uh, his name, Brian Shores. Yes, uh, you're here for urinating or defecating in public. Mm-hmm. It's they put both into the same. They put both. And he's like, oh, man. Yeah, or defecating. So the whole court. <laughs> so like the whole courtroom is deciding whether he's shit or pissed on <laughs> the street. Oh, my God. It's so funny. That's so funny. Oh, good times. I feel like, uh, yeah, can you can you imagine like the prosecutor walking into the courtroom with their briefcase and then they like bring the briefcase up, pull out a literal pair of briefs and are just like, the scene of the crime. <laughs> it's gonna be- I'd like to enter this as exhibit A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you just open the suitcase and it makes a fart sound. <laughs> and, there's, and then there's like yeah. whoopee cushions on the judge's chair. That, see, we just fart court. Fart, fart court. <laughs> they, they they try to convince the the jury how traumatizing a fart can be. They're like sneaking up on them with whoopee cushions and shit. <laughs> this would be <laughs> the best, the best thing ever. Fart court. Now in place of cops. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. Fart cop. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank, thank you, you for Cynthia. sending in your good news stories. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Cynthia. And please continue to send them. You can hit us up on our Twitter feed uh, in the, at the pinned tweet at Daily Beans Potter. You can go to our website and, and submit there. You can also submit your quarantine confessions there. We will have another episode coming up for you uh, this Saturday. So look for that. Um, and that's it. That's the show. Final thoughts? No. You don't even want to make a fart sound? Nope. Oh, okay. Huh? <laughs> Final if you insist. <laughs> okay. By the way, I hope everyone plays this last segment for their kids. I think this is a kid-friendly um, section. I think so too. Um. Anyway, thanks so much. We will see you all at the uh, happy hour meet and greet. So we'll see you there, 4 p.m. Pacific time, Friday. And until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I'm a Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>